0: This is Matt Furness, and you're listening to Pixelated Audio, episode 58.
1: Welcome to Pixelated Audio, a bi-weekly video game music and retro gaming podcast. I'm Brian, this is James,
2: and today we've got a special episode that we think is going to be a lot of fun, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, this kind of marks our 2-year anniversary doing the show, so we wanted to do something a little bit different for this episode.
1: Yeah, it'll be a more like a mix of music with one thing in common. And that would be that it's all composed by our special guest and legendary 16-bit composer, Mr. Matt Furness.
2: Welcome to the show, and thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us and listen to some of your music.
0: Uh, Hey, Brian. Hey, James. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: Oh, no. we're, We're really excited. So, Matt, very well known for your Sega Genesis audio contributions, and I'm sure everyone listening to the show knows your name by now, but let's start by asking how this, I guess how this whole thing kind of began. How did you get into writing music for games?
0: Oh, um, well, back in the uh, the late nineteen uh, eighties, I uh, I got a I had a Commodore sixty four. Um, you probably remember that was the old eight bit computer, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. um, I had a music uh, sort of system for that. That I, I guess it came with a little keyboard that plugged into it, and you could you could make music for it. Um, and that was okay for a while. Um, then um, after that, I got the Atari ST, um, which was real good because I had the MIDI MIDI system on it, and mm-hmm, I could right. uh, run a sequencer and um, but uh, the best thing was then, uh, about that time also, there was the Commodore Amiga, which was uh, what I think was even better, because all the you know, the sound hardware was built into the system was really good. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, So I got, I got hold of an Amiga, and I, I managed to get involved a little bit in what, what used to be the Amiga demo scene, and uh, did a little bit of music there for a, for a demo group, and uh, those kind of things.
1: Uh, what, what group were you part of?
0: Uh, I was a group called Magnetic Fields, which were, uh, oh, yeah. were based out of Sheffield and uh, Rotherham, which was in England. Oh, that's awesome yeah I I actually uh, do
1: I actually do a side project about uh, just about demo scene music so mm -hmm. uh, called the impulse project so uh, it's kind of it's kind of cool that you bring that up
0: yeah so um, yeah I did a couple of demos and then I I just started you know sending out my uh, work because I really wanted to get into music games and I I sent you know demo uh, tapes and discs out to to everyone I could think of and luckily there was a a company uh, called Chrysalis Mm -hmm. uh, who were in uh, Rotherham in England which is very close to where I lived and they they needed a sound guy. They actually needed a sound guy slash someone to digitize graphics, which they thought was like a new thing back then. <laughs> um, so that was my uh, my official uh, title was the sound guy slash graphics digitizing guy. Now, and,
1: how uh, how old were you when went over to Chrysalis? I was sixteen. Oh wow.
0: Um, yeah, so I <laughs> I just left school because um, the uh, the high school in in uh, in England that finishes at sixteen. So I just finished. Uh, you know the equivalent of high school in England, and then uh, you know they said we'll we'll give you a trial for a week and see how you do, and they they thought it was okay, so uh, uh, they gave me a f- full time job.
3: So
1: That's awesome. So were you were you really into uh, audio from the get go, like on the C sixty four and stuff, or was it more like you kind of tailored into it from uh, listening to other composers, other you know Western composers or Japanese composers at the time?
0: Yeah, I always used to like listening to the music, especially on the in you know, on the Commodore sixty four games because they always had. Had the best music, and mm-hmm. they, had, they used to have really good music when the game was loading from tape, which would take you know minutes. Oh yeah! So you'd always have like a cool piece of music to listen to, and uh, I was always amazed at the um, you know the type of sounds and and the quality of music um and uh, it was always just something i really wanted to to get into and, and do myself
1: yeah i'll never forget the ocean loader music yeah yeah
0: yeah all those all those old games with the you know the martin galloway and the rob hubbard music yeah and,
1: jonathan dunn all those guys yeah, yeah. They're,
0: they're so amazing all that stuff um so i was i was really fortunate to be able to uh you know, to get a job doing, doing, uh, you know, what they were doing, and th- you know, those guys were my heroes. You know. Yeah. So, do you have much of a background or training in music? Um, not, not uh, officially. No, I, <laughs> you know, I used to play uh, piano and organ and, and things like that for the school that I used mm-hmm. to be in. Um, things like that, but not uh, classically trained.
1: Well, was it one day that you were just, you know, you were playing piano or organ, and you realized, like, hey, I want to do this. I want to do it on a synthesizer, or, Mm -hmm. or was it like I, want to get into programming, or? Just kind of curious about your path there.
0: Kind of, kind of both. Well, I, I always was really into the music, but you know, like I said, the the first actually the first computer I ever had was a ZX Spectrum, which didn't really have any um, ability to make any good kind of sounds. It just had a beeper. Just the beeper. So, so I did learn to program. on the spectrum, um, so that gave me a little bit of a programming background. So that that came in useful. And when I did finally, you know, get a, a home computer that had good sound, then I could sort of put that programming uh, to use, and and uh, that sort of helped me uh, get an understanding of how to make make the sound work on on those those systems.
1: That's that's awesome. Yeah. Anyways, let's get the show rolling. So um, originally we planned on listening to some music. I guess more of the obscure stuff that you've composed uh-huh. yeah
2: it's kind of what we're known for <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. a little more obscure stuff so yeah we wanted to listen to some the music you've composed and kind of hear your take on it but then we thought hmm why not turn this into a little bit of a game
2: Right. So what we've done is we've made a list of your music and we've broken them down into either a few bars or a few channels. So we're going to play a little bit of that before each track and see if you can kind of guess which track we're talking about.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's the challenge. Challenge (laughs) accepted. Okay. Uh,
2: Awesome. So I think some of the
1: tracks are are, are pretty well known. Uh, Well, I get, you know, we listen to game music all day long. Yeah. It's hard to gauge sometimes. Uh, Hard to gauge. But there's uh, definitely some curveballs thrown into the mix as well. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've narrowed it down from about from about 50, I think we
2: started yeah, with Yeah, we had a really hard time, and we love all the tracks that we're about to play today. Yeah, So and pu- taking some of these
1: out of the of the episode was like pulling teeth. Yeah. But uh, the track that we came in with was from Level 1, or it was titled Level 1A from an unreleased game called Rescue.
2: Yeah, so that one's going to be a little bit of a freebie. <laughs> yeah,
1: and Rescue was a 2D action game developed by Tempest Software uh, and supposed to be published in 1994 by Psygnosis. Exclusively for the Sega Genesis. And luckily, the prototype was dumped, so we have a way to actually check it out.
2: Yeah, it was pretty cool. It had both the spaceship sections and on foot segments. And it also had uh, some SNES Star Fox like bonus stages in 3D. So it's actually too bad this game was never published.
1: Yeah, so that, that track, though, uh, it's it's just kind of got this really Matt Furnace vibe to it. It's mm-hmm. really, um, we were talking
2: earlier when we were listening to it. That it almost has like a little bit of a like a Xerinx like subterranean Jesper kite sound to me. But uh, right. I mean I love I love this track. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about uh level one A?
0: Uh so so this was the rescue game. Yeah, this is one of the unpublished ones from Cygnosis. Um, yeah, about that time they would they were doing quite a few uh, Sega Genesis games that never got published. There was this, they did, a, they actually did the Sega Genesis version of Blood Money, which is an Amiga game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I did the sound for that, and uh, I've not heard that since I made it because I don't think anybody has a, uh, a dump of that ROM, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. I could not find uh, it anywhere,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, there was a few, there was um Shadow of the Beast 3, they did for Sega Genesis. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, none of these games got published, but luckily, yeah, uh, rescued someone did, um, I guess find the the ROM image for this one. Mm-hmm. um and yeah i remember i think it had like maybe six, six or eight levels and they needed uh music for the i think there was like a flying section like mm-hmm. a spaceship section then a, and then a running running gun type section they needed music for each for the each section so it's like level 1a level 1b level you know 2a 2b mm-hmm. that kind of thing um and I, I think they just gave me pretty free reign to, to write music i felt um I think I had an early ROM of the game that didn't have any sound, so I could play the game, uh, check it out, and, mm-hmm. and just get a feel for what I thought we should do. Um, and of course, at the time, I'd been probably playing Star Fox quite a lot on the <laughs> um, N64, well, probably not the N64, but Super Nintendo Star right. Fox, wouldn't it? Have been the first one, which I would have been playing a lot, because I used to play a lot of games back then, and uh, maybe wanted to try something a little like that, or I don't know um, what style I was really looking for. Yeah, this was a a little bit
1: later on in the uh, the Genesis life too. It was 1994, so uh, you guys probably had figured out a lot of the tricks and stuff of the the Sega Genesis hardware by then. But it's too bad. Like, how do you, how do you feel? Because you composed all this music for a game that just never made its way out. I mean, same thing with like Bill's Tomato game. How does yeah. how does that feel? You know, you don't get. You don't actually get to show off your work well I guess nowadays you can listen to it but uh...
0: yeah, it's, I mean it's just nice that it, it's out there now I don't really I don't remember at the time I, I was that uh, too bothered because uh, I know there was a lot of there was a lot of games coming out at the time mm-hmm. that I'd been working on so I probably didn't miss it but uh, it's it's certainly nice now that uh, these games have come to light and people can you know they can play the game they can listen to the music and, and that kind of thing so mm-hmm. it's all good yeah. yeah.
1: That no, that's awesome. So um do you wanna get into our next track, James? Yeah. Alright, so uh Matt, so here is your sample. So we're gonna like we said, we're gonna play a little little bit of a I guess teaser and see if you can uh take a guess. Okay, so here is the uh, here's the sample that we created.
0: Let me think that is um I'm trying to think what it is now. I'm trying to just run it through get, get <laughs> my head to the part where I know what it is. Is it uh, Tovac the Warrior? Oh, oh.
1: yeah. Point oh, yeah. for Matt. Okay, this All is right. uh, the intro track for Tovac the Warrior uh, on the Amiga.
2: Heard the intro track from Torvac the to Warrior on the Amiga, composed by Matt Furness. Yeah, that's. <laughs> this is a this is a really cool track. Really shitty
1: game, but a a really <laughs> uh, really cool track. I, I like this uh, kind of how it it starts out really kind of eerie and, and mm-hmm. I guess magical, mystical, and then it it gets really like bouncy and lively, and it just totally explodes with energy. It's really awesome, almost has some of that, that demo scene influence uh, to me in there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was in love with this track just from the first notes and then, I mean, it really screams Amiga to me and I love how like that guitar or whatever, like never really stops making sound, like once the track gets going and there's fast notes and trailing notes and pitch bending and all that stuff, it's just so good. Yeah, you, you want to tell us a little bit about this, uh, this track, Matt? Uh,
0: yeah, so this is a, I think this is a pretty old one, maybe 1990. 1990, uh, yeah. And uh, I know Core... Um, cool. we're using um, a guy called Matt Simmons for a lot of their work and uh, I think Barry Leach also and mm-hmm. then uh, but luckily you know I guess they were busy and I got I got a chance to do this one <laughs> so uh, <laughs> um, this yeah this game was uh, I think it was kind of ba- like uh, based on the Rastan saga mm-hmm. arcade game
1: yeah it's kind of like a clone of that
0: yeah like a, like a, b- a barbarian guy with an axe uh, running around mm-hmm. killing things um, so yeah so I think uh, probably. Went with a bit of a demo scene uh, type sound for this one, a um, little, little bit more funky on the on the uh, title screen, mm-hmm. uh, and then just adding in those pipes, things like that, just to make it maybe a little bit like a medieval edge to it. Right. Um, but but not going not like a, not going with a full medieval type type sound. Just just give more like a funky sort of an arcade upbeat. Uh, type sound,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So this was uh, developed and published by Quarter Design and uh, released in 1990. It also came out on the Atari ST. But um, you know, James and I were, were actually playing it, and uh, there's, it's it's not really that great. Uh, the axe takes forever to swing, and jumping is like like a joke. It's like you're on a pogo stick, and then when you get hit, you get knocked back 10 feet. It's really it's 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 difficult to play, but um, yeah. it uh, the music is definitely the the number one factor this game
2: well I guess uh, I guess later on the game there's improvements for the axe speed and stuff like that but we didn't get that far but yeah we we both noticed that the music really shined in this game a lot and then when you compared it to how the gameplay felt it was just like kind of night and day like one was like amazing which was the music and then the gameplay was kind of like "Uh, maybe I'll just listen to the music you
1: outdid core Matt you outdid (laughs) core thank you So what was it like uh, you kind of talked about composing on the Amiga earlier but what was it like when you were when you were composing this track like you had uh, had you written stuff in something like pro tracker or octomed or did you use your own tools for this
0: uh, this was um, all pro tracker everything I did on the Amiga I did on uh, pro tracker right which of course was was the that's the sound system. you know the sound editor that everybody used in the demo scene um, and it was used in a lot of a lot of games um, most amiga games probably have the Pro Tracker driver in there uh, or some version of it. Right. Um, So... Yeah, that's what it's you know it's basically what I used for this. It was good, you know. I'd a you could uh, hook up a sample to sample your own sounds directly into it. Those kind of things, mm-hmm. and then also you know I used to share um, the the sample libraries and different sounds. I'd share those with friends, and you know we mail them to each other because there's no internet back then. So we just <laughs> right, have huh? to put uh, floppy disks in a in a bag and just mail them mail them to each other.
1: Yeah, so we were we were talking to Barry Leach on one of our past episodes, and he said that he like took a bunch of samples sometimes from, uh, you know, different. Other artists like you know bands and uh, I think you said Sisters of Mercy and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Did you use any? Uh, did you have any samples that you you kind of adopted or, or kind of used in your own music from from other artists?
0: Oh yeah, I I take uh, you know when I'd get a, a new a new album or something on CD, then I'd, I'd usually have a, uh, a run through there and see if there's any samples I could sort of take off. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> usually good. like you know the beginning or the end of a track that'd just be sort of like drums or or some instrument that you could you could separate out and use that which was always good yeah. um, you know I'd use things from Pink Floyd and things like that um, you know progressive rock anything really um, mm-hmm. you know Iron Maiden heavy metal whatever just try and you know if I wanted to use a you know, good guitar sound take it from there
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well it sounds like a, a kind of a a good way to do it and it doesn't really sound like it's a it doesn't sound like it's you're cheating the system it just sounds like you're you're making use of these awesome samples that are already out there Might right well kind of use them in your own way That's i pretty mean
2: awesome. i would equate it to because i'm a, a, a freelance illustrator it would be kind of like using photo reference from somewhere else like someone took a picture of that tree but i'm going to use it so
0: yeah it's kind of like using uh, taking a photo and using it as a, as a texture in a game or something you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, using it as a texture map or something so we're not not really ripping off the 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 song just we just take you know just Using a sound, and that sound maybe in the original song came from a synthesizer, which I just happened not to have. So mm-hmm. it, I think it's all fair, fair game.
1: <laughs> all right, so uh, you ready for your next uh, your next track? Okay, yeah, let's do it. All right, so here here's the sample we got for you.
0: Yeah, that game is Mad Professor Mariarty, which is a, a chrysalis game. <laughs> yes!
1: Wow, man, you caught that yeah. pretty quick. I wasn't sure if uh, if you had... <laughs> that was pretty. That was pretty obscure. I think of a of a sample that I took there, but uh, yeah. So this is Mad Professor Mariarty, and this is the title track.
0: That's right, and I, I know that game well because that's actually a game that I uh, designed. So co-designed the actual game. Um, I did a few of the graphics for it, also. <laughs> and I made some of the levels, which was me and uh, my old partner, Sean Hollingworth, there at Chrysalis. Yeah, no, that's
1: exactly why we picked the song. Yeah. So let's go ahead and listen to that real quick, and we'll be right back.
3: <music>
2: We just heard the title track from Mad Professor Moriarty on the Amiga. Oh man, I love that track. Yes, really, really good track. Really
1: bizarre. This is all over the place, dude.
2: Yeah, I think it really fits with the game when when you guys see some screenshots of the game. I mean, I love the song. It really gets in a full swing and it's fun and chaotic interesting with you know every new section is totally different and i think it really fits the personality and i love around the two minute mark when it speeds up and kind of gets a little bit dark yeah the the beginning
1: for me has that it's almost like um like cell phone or not cell phone obviously not cell phones at the time (laughs) uh like like i guess telephone dials like you're dialing Mm -hmm. a wrong number the game already it sets you up like it's a a very quirky title Mm -hmm. and then uh it just goes off the rails it just starts going into all these different movements and it's just a it's a really just happy makes me feel good track you want to give us a little uh, heads up on this amiga title
0: yeah so this game mad professor mariati this was um it's an interesting one because we at chrysalis we um they, they quickly needed a game uh, for release um i think i think something happened with a the game there was was supposed to be published and something happened It couldn't be published so we had uh, three or four months I think it was like 15 weeks to make an entire game from scratch (laughs) Um, we just had to come up with something quickly Um, so you know Sean uh, Sean Hollingworth is a programmer um I think Dave College did, the, did most of the graphics for this. Right. And uh, we came up with this idea of the uh, the Mad Professor, Mariotti uh, platform game, because uh, we felt, well, it's something we know we could do, because we'd written, uh, Chrysalis' written a, a lot of platform games in the past anyway, so um, it seemed easy. And then we came up with this idea the the crazy professor, um, and he's, he's in these lab- laboratories that have gone kind of haywire. And uh, we have some sort of uh, puzzles in there that you have to solve. And you've got to, like, shoot the monsters and pick up the coins and, and all mm-hmm. those kind of things. Um, so then for the music, you know, I needed something appropriately uh, crazy kinda, for that. <laughs> kind of wacky. Um, kind of wacky. And, and luckily, you know, the game uh, wasn't using, all, you know, a lot of memory um, on the Amiga or the Atari at the time. So I had more more memory to use for the, for the music, which was good. So I could make a, a longer title track as you as you pointed out it, it doesn't repeat yeah it's like uh, five th- minutes long yeah i don't think it has any even even any patterns in the song actually repeat uh, even once they it just keeps rolling along with new 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 parts and I just, <laughs> I just sort of just kept sort of inventing new pieces to go along and i didn't mm-hmm. want to repeat any piece and uh just use those uh sounds like that you know the telephone. The telephone uh, touch tap touchpad tones yeah. and those kind of things to make it a little crazy and uh, you know I just I just sort of went with it and just free formed it and it, it sort of came out I think okay in the end. <laughs> no, it's it's oh, a lot yeah. of fun.
2: It's an excellent yeah. track. I mean, it it really fits. I feel like with the game, the idea of the game, the look of the game, everything. I mean, when we sat down and played this, it was. We we had some fun and, and that was well we couldn't
1: th- figure it out at first yeah
2: and but then when we started like kind of
1: realizing like oh this is how you this is how you move around this is how you actually you know interact with objects mm-hmm. it became really fun it's yeah. it's
0: hard it's got some really uh, really uh, nasty puzzles and weird things in that I don't think anyone would be able to work out <laughs> um, but I guess some people figured out how to play it and how to how to finish the game.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I want to go back to the, the music real quick because, you know, it's a it's a five minute track and you get maybe let's say you, you get about a minute or two minutes in. If it were me trying to write this song, I would have already forgot what I wrote back in the first part of the track. How did you keep up with the the, the changes and keeping everything in the, the right key signature, I guess, or the um, the right key the whole the whole way through?
0: I don't know, really I just, just I just kept riding it I didn't. I don't really remember <laughs> any any thought process or trying to deli- you know deliberately trying to do anything that much I just just thought well i got plenty of memories so instead of having to repeat I'll just come up with a new piece for mm-hmm. this bit a new part and a new part and eventually you know I've got five minutes of Parts. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, and, uh, and they just oh, just string them all together into one big long song. And, and you know, even though the the time signature changes and it, it jumps around, it, it seems to work. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: no, you were definitely the the mad professor on that one. <laughs> 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 so when we were playing that we we initially noticed right off the bat with the credits in the beginning that you had done some design on this game. So do you have anything you want to share about about working on some design aspects?
0: Yeah, I, I helped out designing some of the levels. We had a level editor, so I could place things around, and I, you know, I came up with some of the puzzles and, and some of the concepts in the game. Um, but yeah, it was it was generally a it was a team effort between uh, the three of us when we when we made this game.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I kind of wish that things were still like that, where it was just a team of, uh, you know, a small team, you know, producing all these these really popular or or well known titles and. Uh, you know you guys had it sound like you guys just had a really tight-knit group and were able to have a lot of fun doing it
0: that's right yeah
1: all right so uh how about moving on to our our next our next track what do you think all right let's go all right so uh here is uh here's the sample
0: Yeah, okay, that one is uh, Jahangir Khan's squash for the Atari ST. Oh, Oh, wow. Man,
1: dude, I thought we were going to stump you with that one. Uh, Okay, so this is Jahangir Khan's world championship squash, and this is uh, track two from the Atari ST.
2: You just heard track two from Jahangir Khan's World Championship Squash on the Atari ST. Oh man, that very heavy
1: hitting beat for mm-hmm. the, the YM2149. God, I love that. It really has a light melody on top that kind of balances it out. And my favorite part is where the arpeggios kind of kind of uh, trail out right at the end of that, that little segment, melody segment. And then uh, it you know, goes right back in. It flies into this other kind of arpeggiated uh, melody section. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome.
2: Yeah, it's another cool hidden track in a game, a sports game that us Americans really know very little about, or at least, at least I don't know much about. And it kind of gets up and stretches its legs and walks around and kind of goes off in all kinds of different directions, but still keeps it together as one really cool track.
1: Well, I think it loops maybe about like a minute and a half, mm-hmm. maybe two minutes in. So, uh, but it's just a, it's an excellent track. You want to tell us a little bit about? Uh, composition on, on this game?
0: Yeah, was, this one was uh, one of the many uh, sports games I remember I was doing at the time. I know Chrysalis, um, we're doing a lot of sports games, a lot of soccer, football, uh, you know, the squash game in this case. <laughs> um, what a, what a weir- weird sport to, to
1: pick out. I don't know. Maybe, well,
0: maybe weird for us. but
1: Yeah, I don't know a whole lot of squash games. <laughs> yeah, you
0: know. I, I think the uh, Jahangir Khan was... was He's kind of famous for being, I think he was one of the world's top squash players. Yeah, and, he was the um, uh,
1: number one professional squash player uh, from Pakistan. Who was that's cons- right. Yeah, considered to be the greatest player in the history.
2: Of yeah. yeah. Just didn't he have like, we, I think we saw he had something like over 500 consecutive wins or something like that. Yeah,
1: insane. Like Guinness Book World Record. We actually did a little research on the guy because I didn't really know about him. But uh, no, it's wow. I mean, amazing player. There's some YouTube videos on him too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so Chrysalis, they, They'd acquired the, the, the license to use his, uh, you know, his image and his name in the game. Um, so we made a pretty nice little sports game there a little squash game. and then with these uh, uh, the, a lot of these sports games between actually playing the actual you know the round of squash or the match, if, uh, and then there's a lot of uh, menu systems and sort of picking up your opponents and, mm-hmm. and those right. kind of things. So that's where that's where you're going to need the music there because you can't be in these venues for you know, quite a long time. so it's nice to have a, a piece of music there running in the background. Um, oh, yeah, something that beats and you know, sporty uh, sounding. Yeah, um. I, think,
1: I think this game portrays or I, I think it, it follows the rules of squash pretty accurately. But then when you get into these menus, because there's different options, you can change like the ball speed, uh, different uh, match lengths and change the difficulty. There's also tournaments and other club matches that you can do. Um, so you need that kind of nice kind of lengthy music between that to mm-hmm. kind of balance everything out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I always like writing uh, music with the Taurus T, even though it just had the, you know, the the, the Yamaha. Um, sound chip in there, the fairly basic one that just did the you know the square waves and noise. Yeah. the noise. Just how it was implemented, I don't know how, what what Atari did. Just how it was implemented in the ST just made it sound really beefy. It just had like a nice range and like a lot of bass on it, and it was just it was nice how they it just sounded real good in, in that system. I don't know what it was.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like a lot of uh, the way that Yamaha or the way that Atari implemented the sound chip. I think uh, on the same note, I think that it really does have a really kind of rich dark, kind of almost crunchy bass, that uh, that I that's what I absolutely love about like the Sid chip. And uh, I think it does really well in that department. Even though it's it's no SID chip, it, it does do uh pretty well in the low end department. Mm-hmm. Yeah it must
0: have been prob maybe something how they just how they designed the preamplifier has wired it up or something. But yeah it does sound good in the Atari ST.
1: Yeah. Now this also actually came out for the C64 the Amiga the ZX Spectrum, Amstrad CPC, and uh, like the 32-bit Acorn systems, and I th- oh. think I think DOS, and you did all the music for all the ports as well, right?
0: That's right. Yeah, I did all those. Yeah, so we do the the DOS one, which I probably would have been the Adlib or the Sound Blaster right. uh, version of that, and uh, we also did maybe an LA, uh, Roland lapc one version for the Sound Canvas.
1: Right now, so what did you originally compose the game on? Was it the Atari ST, or did you start with like uh, an Amiga and just kind of spread it out?
0: I Think probably the Amiga. I, I generally start on Amiga, mm-hmm. and then I would just convert from there down to uh, Commodore sixty four, Atari ST, uh, and, and any other platforms. On some of the you know some of the games which were just um, PC exclusives, where we would just be doing. They'd just be publishing a a, a you know a PC version. Mm -hmm. Then uh, for those, then I would start by just composing on um, Sound Blaster or the Sound Canvas because you're going to get a different type of music just because you've got so many more sound channels to work (laughs) with. Um, so you know so many less restrictions but then in some ways more restrictions because maybe you can't just use a sampled instruments maybe you've got to use FM or you are gonna have to use the built-in um, patches that are building the sound card mm-hmm. right um, so presents um, all
1: sorts of new challenges yeah, like exactly the more systems you bring it to
2: well try- everything's got its pros and cons yeah well, yeah
1: I mean and then trying to kind of I guess kind of emulate the sound that you originally wanted across these different systems has got to be kind of taxing right because you, you you got this sound in your in your head, this idea that you really wanted to kind of keep consistent. And then when you have all these these different you know new variables in the mix, you really have to start thinking like, oh, how is it going to sound here? Can I I can't do the same thing? And it goes mm-hmm. along with what, um, you know, you're saying, Matt, about uh, having all the the different challenges across different chips.
0: Exactly, that's right. Yeah. So you're always trying to think of, uh, you know, create the music around the, the limitations of the the system back back then is how i would work
2: it almost seems like you'd be kind of like trying to build a chair and each time you build a chair you have a different set of tools like maybe this ha- time you don't have a hammer so it's like <laughs> well i gotta let me figure out something else <laughs> yeah
1: that's right all right so uh let's let's move on to our next track what do you think yeah yeah okay so uh here is here here's your sample i think i think you might get this one this might be a little easier
3: Uh,
0: Easy on you. That one's hard. Let me think. It's it's, it's, some really dissonant sounds in there, right? It's uh, yeah. Did I write that? You sure (laughs) did. Well, it sounds like it's uh, Sega Genesis. Uh Oh, you're right. Is it? Oh,
1: yeah. Think deep. Dig deep.
0: I I recognize it, but I can't think where it's from, so you might have stumped me. (laughs) All right. Wow.
1: We stumped you on a Genesis track. All 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 right. It is Sega Genesis. And uh, actually, why don't we play the track and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll introduce it? We'll, we'll introduce it when we come back. All right. figure it out
0: yes yeah, so that's world trophy soccer um i believe it maybe had some different names and different territories for yeah. the same genesis
2: yeah
1: good oh you got it
2: yeah that's like awesome. every every place had a different name for this. <laughs> yeah it
1: was european european club soccer world trophy soccer and in japan
0: i think it was j league champion j league yeah yeah and i do i actually have the j league champion I have that on cartridge oh, oh nice so. yeah you gotta take yeah. a photo
1: of that and send it over yeah uh, well. <laughs> That so that's that title was uh, Club Mediterranean, and that came out in 1992 for the Sega Genesis. Also came out on the Atari ST, I believe. It was developed by Chrysalis and published by Virgin Games. And then, uh, yeah, obviously composed by Matt Furnace. Mm-hmm. Uh See, it was, you. it was you. It was me. It was <laughs> me. All
0: right. <laughs>
1: yeah, so obviously this is a soccer game. Uh, you get this nice view, uh, side view of the field. Uh, what's really interesting is that there's 170 different teams to pick, mm-hmm. uh, not just color swaps. But um, they have this huge roster of all the team badges and uh, yeah, the all, names, the, all the club the names and everything. And yeah, it's pretty insane. This track, though, the reason why we picked it is because uh, it starts off. It starts off kind of simple, and then it really moves into something. Uh, it just kind of grows into. It kind of evolves into this really just rich, like almost almost like Latin kind of mm-hmm. groove i really i really like that
2: yeah no i thought this was a really chill track and i thought like oh it'd be awesome to listen to this into like a store that sells like tommy bahama shirts or something. <laughs> like that. but i mean i just love that funky bass line the piano slides everything is really cool yeah we've talked uh, numerous times on the show
1: about the 2612 you got your six channels of fm synth then you have an 8-bit digitized audio uh that you can use as kind of like a replacement to one of the fm channels wow you know, what kind of makes that interesting is you actually have to turn off, like, I think it's channel six um, for the FM to be able to use the DAC. There's a really kind of interesting part, and I think it is just channel six and the DAC uh, that I kind of want to play for you here. It's, I, I thought, I thought this was so interesting. So here's, here's this real quick. So if you listen, That little click is is channel six, and then the drums behind it is that's the DAC. And what's really clever about that is that um, you can't play them at the same time. But I was looking in like Audacity, and I was kind of trying, you know, zooming way in, and you can see that there's they're just spaced. Uh, a far enough apart to where you can turn off the channels and I think being able to do that I think that I mean to do that in software. It's got to be really complicated, right?
0: I believe it's complicated I didn't write that driver that driver was written by Sean mm-hmm. um, and uh, Yeah, he figured out how to get the, the sample sounding good I believe in that version of the driver was an older one uh, where we didn't quite have the fidelity on that Sample channel that we got on the later games They're a little more crunchy um, in those those earlier Sega Genesis games that I did um, but yeah, Sean, you know, he worked out how to, to, to make the sample sound good. Um, I believe it also the, to do the, uh, the sample, I think it, it shares the hardware interrupt with the joystick pods and some other things as well. So when you're using the joysticks, you have to sort of swap it in and out in the, in the, in the code and do some clever stuff. So, wow. uh, but it does sound good. Yeah. I always, I always use the, uh, the channel six, use that for the drums. I always like those drums, you know? It's real, some real, real sampled drums. I thought sounded really good on the Sega Genesis.
1: Yeah, I, I noticed that across the board. Uh, most of the the percussion line is either. I mean, you have little touches and stuff here and there
0: on the FM channels, but you use the the DAC quite a quite a lot. Yeah, I, 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 maybe some of that was I just never figured out how to get really good sounding FM drums. <laughs> um, I know, like you know, some of the you know, there's there's a lot of Sega Genesis games out, especially you know, games by like Technosoft people like that, and they did they, they managed to get they always use the The FM drums, which always sounded amazing on those those games, but I I never figured out how to get them sounding quite that good. So um, maybe that's why I just use the sample drums, you know? Right. (laughs) Sounded
1: excellent
2: to us. Yeah, and it's funny because this is actually not the first time we've played one of your soccer games, actually even for the Sega Genesis, on the show. Back in our second episode... We played oh my your God, way di- back then. Yeah, we played your Dino Dini work.
0: Yeah. Oh right, that to be been kickoff. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That was that was an awesome track. Yeah. And there's it's funny because there's a lot
1: of a lot of music we've been holding off because uh, we're always thinking like, you know, hopefully we can get uh, Matt Furnace on the show someday. So maybe we should we should hold on to this one. We kind of had this huge backlog of stuff. So yeah. Being able to kind of dive into it is gonna be is gonna be awesome. We have a lot more tracks to go though. So uh, why don't you say we move on? Yeah. All right, so uh, let's see what we have. I'm really excited for this next one. Oh, I know you are because we we were just in love with this track. All right, so here here is the sample. Let's see if you can guess what this is.
0: So what do you think? What could that be? Well, it's an Amiga. Oh, yeah. It's a piece of Amiga music. Um. Hmm. Was it Rogue Trooper? Mm, no. 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 Guess again. No, I don't know. It sounded a little like that, but don't like. You're on the. You're on the right. On the right thought there. Oh, okay. Hmm. I uh, yeah. I can't think what it is. Sorry. Go ahead. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Put me on my misery. All right.
1: Well, let's let's play the track. You'll 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 know right away. All right. So here it is.
0: It's Laser Squad for the Amiga. Yep, <laughs> sure is. Yeah, that would have been um, maybe the first. That might have been one of the first pieces of music I wrote for Christmas when I when I started working there in 1989. Yeah, 1989 yeah. was released. Yeah, that would have been maybe the first. You know, literally the first week. Week, maybe the second week I was working there. I would have written that piece of music.
2: That's awesome. It's an awesome song. So that was That's- the the title or in-game music from Laser Squad on the Amiga. Yeah, and it was, uh,
1: oh man, just, <laughs> we, we first heard this. We uh, we f- first uh, popped it on the Amiga and we are listening and uh, it starts off, there's like a minute, we'll kind of maybe kind of chop a little bit off of the the, the, the lightning, lightning and stuff. <laughs> Thunder. Uh, but uh, man, when we first started playing the game, uh, we couldn't really figure it out at first. Yeah, and so then, it took a little bit. But like by the time we, we figured out the controls, that's when that beat starts kicking in. And uh, you get that, that uh, 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 Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so cool, man. We were just like, we were just dying. We loved it. Like, we turned up the volume all the way, and we were just jamming out. It was an awesome track.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I love, like, like, the heavy echoing beat, and then the speed really gets going, and then it's like, boom, like a super rad track is born on a dark and stormy night. <laughs> yeah, and it's,
1: it's a really dark game. So you kind of have this kind of, I guess, sinister, you're moving your troops around, and you got this really kind of... I guess, like, Miami Vice style. I, I love it.
0: <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, the Laser Squad was, was, uh, was interesting because that was a, originally Spectrum game written by Julian Gollop, mm-hmm. who, who later, you know, he went on to design and create the UFO Enemy Unknown games, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which uh, they're still making those games now. Oh, yeah. Um, so you can see the, the lineage of those games from this one, which is the turn-based strategy game. Um, and Chrysalis, you know, they're, Acquired the rights to uh, create the 16-bit versions of that, mm-hmm. um, which is great because the original didn't—you know—the original Spectrum version didn't have any music. So I, I got to write um, a couple of pieces of music for this, for the you know the title screen and then the in-game track, um, which needs to be quite long. It's quite a lengthy game when you play the game. It's going to mm-hmm. take you probably a good you know, 20 or 30 minutes to finish. Um, one of the missions. The first so, one, yeah. the yeah, track's so he,
1: like five minutes long, so it's yeah, it's so good. make
0: make it a fairly long piece of music there. And like you said, just just started off moody, like you know your troops have landed on the planet and it, it's outside and it's a storm. And then you know eventually you're going to break your way into the base and then you're going to start uh, working your way through to the object, you know, the end objectives there. So I just wanted to make a, a track that would um, lead you through that progression in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So uh, this originally came out in uh, 1988 for the the Spectrum and the. C- 64 but it was also ported to the CPC the Atari ST and DOS and we were listening to the DOS version and uh, And I think the uh, Atari ST stuff too and we really liked it all across the board. It's really awesome and um, there's also I think there's some some uh, videos floating around YouTube of uh, The uh, Roland version of of the soundtrack, which is is pretty wild Mm -hmm. Uh, using uh, you know, obviously MIDI hardware uh it's 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 really cool did you did you have kind of like a a, like a thought for for composing this like for midi specific or was it like this is straight amiga and you just wanted to do everything on its own everything yeah this was
0: this was straight amiga because the uh i don't think we'd even consider doing a a pc version then um that that came maybe a year or two later so this was just straight up um just do it on the amiga yeah
1: yeah, that's awesome. Hey, so I wanted to ask, this was developed by, um, we we saw in the notes, it was developed by a company called Teak Software. And um, I believe that's actually, was the original, the original company name for Chrysalis. That's and right,
0: yeah. Chrysalis, yeah, it was originally, it was Tech. Um, oh, tech, tech, okay. Yeah, Tech were just uh, a developer. Creating games for, for other publishers and Tech actually was born out of uh, Gremlin Graphics. They were all like Gremlin guys that set that up. Right, right. Um, and then uh, so then Tech wanted to also get into publishing. So Chrysalis was created uh, as the as a publishing uh, developer and a publishing company. So the developing part was Tech, and then the publishing was Chrysalis. Mm. But yeah, the
2: game the game is a lot of fun. We yeah, we, we definitely want to spend some more time with it. I mean. It took us a while, like Brian said, to get the hang of it and the music. We were just looked at both looked at each other, like, "What? This yeah. is nuts!" And we're, you know, yeah. Brian eventually figured some of it out. And we figured, "Well, let's look up manual and try to get really into this." So, yeah, that's it's a it's a lot of fun. It's a uh, good
0: game. Yeah, we, we used to play it a lot. I know we yeah, in the office we'd actually played quite a bit. It's a, it's, a, it's a super fun game to play. It's really challenging and uh, mm-hmm. kind of addicting. Yeah.
1: Now, now, so this this track does kind of have, uh, you know, going back to the the demo scene feel. Were you inspired by? any other, you know, any other peers or any other artists at the time specifically for like this style?
0: Uh, I think just generally, you know, the demo scene stuff. I don't, I don't, didn't really know any of the the guys personally, but I'd get these demo discs and I was always amazed by the music, which would be the group, demo groups out of Europe, like from Germany and Sweden and places like that. always had really amazing Amiga music, so I was always um, kind of striving to make my uh, Amiga work sound as good as mm-hmm. as that um, which was a little challenging because in you know in a demo um, You've really just got the whole Memory of the machine just to do the music and the graphics whereas in a right. game you've got to do you know the game as well So you've got a little more a little bit more constraints when you're doing a game versus mm-hmm. a demo yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I know a lot of the uh, the old seniors really wanted to kind of break into doing video games And that's why they were releasing all these demos I and mean, some of them were kind of their one-offs, but uh, there was that that um, kind of, I guess, desire to get into the the industry somehow. And so, uh, do you have any? Can you recognize any, you know, demo scene artists by name that maybe have influenced you in in past
0: works? Um, the one, the one, the one artist I really liked on the me was a guy called Lizard King.
1: Oh yeah, he was just
0: absolutely amazing uh, musician and just wrote these really cool. All these songs have this really sort of consistent theme between them, and it like. I always wish I could sort of make my music sound just like like my music but I don't know he's he just had this really nice strong theme sort of style that just went through his sounds and he'd always use his own samples and I always liked his stuff on Amiga
1: yeah a lot of that is like the dosk pop kind of yeah. era of, of uh, like Amiga chiptunes stuff like that I think uh, you know, there was a lot of um, sharing. Like you said, there was no internet. And so people were just kind of looking at what each other were doing, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of play off that and create new stuff. And other people were influencing other people. And it was just this huge network of underground uh, musicians. It's was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it's totally awesome.
2: All right. Uh, so we're moving on. Yeah, I think we're ready for the next
1: one. All right. So this next track. Oh, my God. I love this track so much. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, here here's the sample here.
0: Any any guesses? That's Wiz and Liz for the Sega Genesis. Sure is.
1: <laughs> sure is. Do you know do you know the track title?
0: Uh, that might be the high score music. Oh, you're I think or the game finished music or something like that.
1: it's the name entry screen, so yeah. Name entry screen. Well yeah.
0: it was actually written as a the game completion music. Oh okay. But, um yeah, the programmer uh, guy Martin Chudley, wrote the game. He, he put it on the high score, which oh. is a strange place to put it because it's a very long piece of music <laughs> yeah. on, a, on a screen that you're going to be on there for, you know, probably a few <laughs> seconds, but maybe <laughs> in three, three, uh, three initials. Well, well uh,
2: unless you're like us, like, if, if you could sit there for 10 minutes, like, I would sit there for 10 minutes. Yeah, so this is
1: the, the name entry screen from Wiz and Liz on the Sega Genesis. <laughs>
2: heard the name entry track from Wiz and Liz on the Sega Genesis. Oh my god, dude. Yeah. Yeah. The track was really intense. I mean, I loved it so much, I actually ordered a, a physical copy of the game last night on eBay. <laughs> uh, so, Matt, if you're ever up in the Bay Area, I'm going to totally have to have you sign that. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. I'll sign it. We can we can play a few rounds. It's a good game. Oh, yeah. It's super fun. Yeah, it's a good game. Really oh, good.
1: yeah. When I first heard this track, I was I was driving home and uh, we actually had another Wiz and Liz track to play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, was in my car, just driving, and had uh, the whole you know soundtrack kind of just on random, and uh, this track popped on, and I was I was digging the groove. It it starts off kind of cool, it's mm-hmm. kind of fast, kind of has that floatiness feel to it, and then all of a sudden you get into that last kind of portion, mm-hmm. and oh my god, that synth comes in, it kind of swells up, and uh, it kind of plays with your your you know the stereo pan, it kind of goes left yeah. and right, and it's just it's not it doesn't match the uh the the same like I guess time signature it's kind of on its own it's yeah doing its own little free form and when I heard that it just
2: oh man it just hit me like a like a wall of bricks Mm -hmm. I was just like oh this is so awesome it was it just sounded great yeah no I mean like you said the track starts out kind of dreamy and cute and stuff like that but when it hits that I think it's like 125 to 150 mark I mean it seriously like blew my damn mind. Like I mean, it was, I mean, it, and it's so, it's so interesting and, and feels so different that it actually does make you like a little emotional. Like the whole track has like a, a very emotional quality to it.
1: Yeah. So you want to explain this, this wonderful piece of music, Matt?
0: Yeah. Like I said, this, this was written for the game completion, um, screen, I guess in the game, but I don't know if they ever had one. Maybe that's why they, the, they used it on the high score, but I was always a big fan of the, you know, the game complete music on all the Japanese Sega, mm-hmm. Sega Genesis, Sega Mega Drive games. You know, if I got a new game, I'd always go straight to the sound test and get straight through to the, the game finish tune because it was usually going to be the longest, most epic right. song in the game. So I, I was always a big fan of those, and I, I was very influenced to make something um, along that lines. You know, a big uh, epic song for the end of the game. Um, using you know all the you know the best sounds I could make and um, just make you know different time signatures starting off in a slow ramping it up building it up with a nice crescendo in there so that was that was my thought behind this song
1: yeah the game is, is actually a blast to play yeah it's a ton uh, of fun we had a, we had a lot of fun it's very very fast paced it's a 2D platforming game where you have to race against the clock to collect uh, certain things like. Um, like rabbits or? no
2: they're wabbits with the <laughs> with a w. but yeah uh-huh. so you collect them and then like a letter pops out and it spells you collect the letters and spell a magic word and then for the rest of the level you have to collect the rest of the rabbit or wabbits and they give you like fruits and stars <laughs> and clocks. But one thing that I thought was really interesting and what really reminded me of the Labyrinth game when we did our Bowie tribute is that the game starts with three minutes and that's it. You have to add time to it and the time only restarts when you die. So it's kind of like you got to keep moving quickly.
1: Yeah, no, that's 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 pretty crazy because it does make the game more frantic. It's already mm-hmm. very fast-paced. I mean, you jump in this game, you move forward and you're like already five, you
2: know, screens down. It's, yeah. it's quick. Well, he moves like Sonic but without that like slow startup that he needs that momentum built, he just gets going. It's really yeah. cool. You, did you enjoy playing this game at all? I mean, music's awesome, but... Uh, yeah, I like
0: it. It's a good game because it's, 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 it's super fast to play, but unlike Sonic, you're not going to run into a spike and die and lose all right. your coins, so you can really just get that momentum going and... You just getting a groove and you're just picking up all the ladders and the rabbits and just, just, you know. And it's really fun to play with two players. It's got the split screen uh, where you're kind of racing against each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's awesome. Now, so this was actually, um, it was published by Psygnosis, but it was developed by a company called Raising Hell Software.
0: That was Bizarre Creations. Bizarre yeah, Creations. That's right, yeah. Okay. Um, and they uh, Bizarre went on, I think, later to do a lot of really good racing games and things like that. I think they did the uh, first Geometry Wars with Bizarre Creations as well, wasn't it?
1: Ooh, man, you got yeah. me stumped. <laughs> yeah. Extra point from Matt. No, but the, the, the game is, is a, lot of, a lot of fun. Now, I was kind of wondering, uh, you know, we're talking about you know some Genesis work. We've played a lot of other different systems so far, but could you kind of walk us, maybe walk us through the process of what it was like to create stuff for, for the Sega Genesis specifically? So, uh, you know, you're at work one day, you get told that you're going to work on a new game, uh, what was the development process like for the in the audio department?
0: Well, for, for the Sega Genesis, the, well, the hardware that that, uh, that I had was a it was actually based around an Atari Mega ST, which was a like a big version of an Atari ST.
1: Oh yeah, it's a massive one. Um,
0: that's right, and we, and we had that um, Atari ST hooked up to a, a Sega Genesis development kit. Um, Wait, so you actually connected the Atari ST directly into the Genesis? That's right. Yeah, so it had a Connected it from the the serial port on the Atari ST up into the joystick ports on the Genesis, and then the, we have the Genesis running uh, like a version of the driver that was just waiting to waiting to accept the the music data in real time. So you then, can,
1: wow, you can listen to all this in real time, then.
0: So that's that's the key, yeah. So mm-hmm. was um, I think a lot of Genesis music, especially that was done in America, was done on a system called Jams, which is where you just sort of make your music using a MIDI keyboard and then. Right sort of port it over and then have to adjust it. And you do this sort of back and forth thing. Whereas with the system that I had, it was all done in real time. So wow. I could actually sort of literally, you know, adjust the instruments in real time and, you know, adjust the samples and put the node data in real time. And everything was just, just happening as I, as I worked, which made it made it much quicker and easier to, to write music.
1: Now, did this look kind of like, a, like tracking software or was it kind of just your own kind of special... There was a tra- it,
0: looked, it looked like a tracker, yeah. It looked uh, looked like a, like a very basic version of sound tracker. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and that would be running on the Atari, um, and, but, and the, but the sound is coming out of the Sega. So yeah, you couldn't actually
1: hear any playback through the Atari ST at all. You, have to, you had to have it hooked up to the Genesis to
0: be able to, right. to actually yeah. hear anything. Exactly, yeah.
1: Wow, that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome. So I mean, how how was this developed? Now this was in house only. Was this something special to Chrysalis?
0: In house, yeah. Sean uh, Sean Hollingworth, you know, created the uh, the software and he built some of the hardware uh, to do it. So he, he did all that for me, and I you know worked with Sean and I tell him things that I wanted in the system, and then he would uh, he would he would create that. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's uh, you know, as far as driver contributions, he's. Uh, uh, Genius, as far you know, some of the other stuff I've seen mm-hmm. that he's uh, he's worked on. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about Sean? Um, well, yeah, like I Are you, Were you guys pretty close? Or? Oh yeah,
0: yeah. We worked. Sean was a, a directory and a part owner of, of the company. Um, right. So um, he was he was older than me. I think you know I was sixteen. He was probably in his early thirties at the time when I when I started there. And you know he he'd written a lot of um, really good games at Gremlin Graphics. You know things with Spectrum. He did Wear the Tiger and Spectrum versions of Bound and all. Lots of lots of cool games. He did mm-hmm. the... If you remember, there was a really good Akon Ar- Archimedes version of um, Pac-Mania. Oh, okay. It, it was like... I know, don't remember re- that, but... He was <laughs> really, really good, like, uh, you know, very sort of almost arcade-perfect version of that. That's awesome. So he's, he's very always a, always a very good um, engineer and also musically talented. He could play piano and things, so that helped. Um, and uh, I think he had an interest in, in the music side. So we just... Yeah, we... I mean, literally, we just... We shared an office together for um you know four years oh wow and, and did everything yeah so
1: you say he was um, also a musician as well
0: uh well right. he could play he could play piano yeah did he
1: ever you know say hey maybe you should change some stuff here or did he ever kind of contribute to any of the audio
0: um no he, he never really said you should change that or uh, maybe not i don't know he made some of the um some of the instrument sounds on the genesis he made the uh, there's a piano sound i use a lot of my music and he, he created that sound that's awesome um, so, yeah, I think he he, ma- he managed to make a really good piano sound, so I used that.
2: Well, it had to be at least extremely helpful that he had an understanding of music and, and all that stuff when he was helping you work on all this stuff, so... Exactly,
0: yeah. I think it did, yeah.
1: Makes sense. Mm. If having to understand, mutual understanding of mm-hmm. what each other's talents are and kind of having a base knowledge in that probably helped out a lot. And that's why your audio is so uh, amazing. Even to listen to, you know, today, it's still very enjoyable. Yeah. You can tell you guys had a, a pretty powerhouse team,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, we got along pretty good and uh, made, I think, yeah, he made all the you know these really amazing sound drivers and, and all the tools. So, I you know I'm uh, very thankful he, he could do that for me, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah no, I'm, and I'm actually excited to move on to our next track. We got some really good stuff lined up, yeah, yeah. So, uh,
1: okay, so Matt, here is uh, you ready for the next one?
2: I am, all right, so here's your next
1: uh, your next sample here, yeah.
2: Super minimal. Yeah, it's very oh. minimal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, I should have added an extra channel in there, huh? Uh,
0: could be Lost Vikings. It could be Pitfall. I don't know, something like that. Well, can it's you some guess, kind of Mayan level or some kind of jungle well, thing? Can you can you know. guess the system? It's Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got that. Uh, um, let's think. Let's think.
1: Nineteen
0: ninety-three. Yeah, I can hear the. And there's some sort of like a tribal thing going on there. Um, don't know. You right. have to tell me what <laughs> right,
1: This is a good one. All right, so let's uh, go ahead and start this track off, and then we'll uh, we'll you, you'll figure it out right away.
0: Uh, Yeah, it's F-15 Strike Eagle.
1: Yeah, F-15 Strike Eagle 2 on the Sega Genesis. That track was titled Up, Up, and Away. It came out in 1993. It was also on the Amiga Atari ST, DOS, PC-98, and the Sharp X68000.
2: And this was published by Microprose. Yeah, great track. Uh, I love the speed and the intensity. And this was a request from someone from BGM reps, right? Yeah, yeah, Um,
1: I think it was CTR. Uh, This track, though, is, (laughs) it starts off, like, really like this dirty genesis like guitar sound and then it just shreds and then you get this really uh almost like kind of like a top gun kind of yeah uh like soaring i guess melody on top wild
2: yeah you're definitely it feels like you're in a fast-paced moving mission which definitely leads to you know flying a plane you know a fighter pilot so
1: yeah so matt uh, a little uh, a little bit of information on this track
0: yeah i was going for something definitely a top gun um What's a song from the top of Dan- Danger Zone? Yeah, yeah. Danger Zone. Kenny, Kenny Loggins, is it, to do <laughs> <Yeah>. that one? I <laughs> <laughs> um, And then, but also, like, on the video games, maybe, I, I think I was playing a lot of the, the uh, Thunder Force games at the time, off, and I wanted to do yes. something along that line, something a little faster, and with the, something almost, you know, kind of guitar-y, a little mm-hmm. bit drive to it. So uh, I think that's what, what I've got, that is, like, a hybrid of those two, two things.
1: <laughs> this is actually, like, a flight simulator where you cruise around, there's... Um, I think four different combat scenarios you play in libya persian gulf vietnam and the middle east uh james and i tried it out it's a uh a lot more complicated
2: than we thought yeah it's pretty hard for you know i mean but it was surprising like i i didn't expect something like this on the genesis which was really cool yeah i, I
1: would expect it more on like the uh the pc side of stuff yeah
2: but uh having it on the the genesis was
1: is quite interesting because it did get pretty uh pretty technical especially yeah. with the takeoff and landing and then getting into the dog and Yeah, stuff. and
2: for the day i mean the those graphics were really smooth and very very detailed. Uh, I loved all the sprite artwork too that was in the, the like the scenes and like the cockpit and stuff like right. that. Right.
1: But moving around in a three D world on a lot of these sixteen bit systems is, yeah. is very difficult, and uh, it made it a little bit um, yeah. hard hard for me to, to, to stick with for more than ten minutes. Yeah.
2: I mean, when I was playing, I ended up pointing up at the sky, and I couldn't find the ground again. Yeah. I was, I was completely watching you stuck. play, and I was
1: getting motion sickness.
2: Uh, but yeah, no, excellent excellent soundtrack. I mean, we we picked this track because
1: uh, really, I think it kind of embodies a lot of what we we like in the genesis it's got kind of a shrill mm-hmm. uh guitar sound and then it really cranks up the the, the energy and has uh just a, a lot of fun throughout the track and um yeah, it's yeah a good
2: example of what the genesis did well like really good with their sound that that made a very genesis sound matt you talked about kind of influences from TechnoSoft and stuff like that do you have any
1: specific influences from other Japanese uh, composers on the, not not only the Sega Genesis, maybe like the uh, the Super NES or anything from the 8 or 16-bit era?
0: Um, I really was a big uh, fan of uh, Yuzo Koshiro's music. I liked, mm-hmm. I liked oh, his yeah. work because he did you know, the, the Super Shinobi music on the Sega Genesis and uh, right, um, you know, Actraiser on uh, Super Nintendo, things mm-hmm. like that. A really, a really amazing composer.
1: Oh, he's like a god of FM synth. I mean, yeah. you're you're right up there with him. But I mean, oh no, this... no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: that, I mean, that would be what I would aspire to be, um, as as good as that maybe one day. But uh, yeah, I was a big fan of his work. Of course, then on the you know the 8-bit uh, world, I was I was a huge fan of Tim Fallin. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, was a big influence. Um, you know, he had a really good kind of progressive rock kind of sound to all his his music. Oh yeah. Um, did some amazing work on the Nintendo, Super Nintendo.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, he a lot of the the, the games that he worked on for I think NES, uh, sound the music is I- incredible. Like mm-hmm. it gives me chills. Like thinking about. It. But it's funny that you say Tim Fallen, and uh, both uh, him and Yuzo Koshiro, both just very well regarded composers mm-hmm. on uh, completely opposite ends of the of the, the earth. Yeah, Western composers have a, a very, I guess kind of classic, more more of like a demo scene sound. It's a little bit more rock and roll. Whereas Japanese have it's kind of like their own kind of sound. Can you maybe give us your thoughts on the difference between you know the Japanese side and or the Eastern side and the Western? Composers?
0: Yeah,
2: especially since you had a lot of influence and you, you liked a lot of uh, Western or Japanese composers.
0: Um, yeah, it's like uh, the Jap- Japanese sound is more of a, it's like a, they're trying to almost emulate a Western type sound. Because, right, right. You know, traditional uh, Japanese um, music doesn't doesn't sound anything like this. Um, so maybe maybe that's where it comes from. So um, it sounds it sounds to me like a lot of the Japanese composers were more uh, certainly better trained in uh, music theory because you mm-hmm. can hear a lot of um, sort of jazz influence and, and sort of fusion influence and just just in the chord progressions are just they're more sophisticated. Right, if that's the right word. Yeah, a lot
1: more, like, skills I noticed, um, and a lot more ongoing themes, a lot more repetition, it seems like to me.
0: Yeah, the, exactly, yeah, and they're, they're really good at uh, making that, like, a, a very good sort of strong theme between all the uh, songs in a game, um, and I think it sounded like a lot of the Japanese games also had probably the The better sound drivers when especially compared to the american games and things like that
1: we all the documentation was all written in japanese originally so they had like first-hand (laughs) first-hand go at it so yeah i mean i would i would think that they probably had some of the 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 access to the the better or the best tools uh at the time but then you know you get stuff like chrysalis who's doing their their own in-house software that's Mm -hmm. you know some of the best on the platform or the 16-bit era so yeah well uh, it's,
2: it's kind of the american way to to run fast and loose and you know <laughs> you know deal with problems as they come instead of planning them out <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> all right so um let's let's go ahead and uh, move on what do you think yeah i think we're
2: ready for the next one
1: yeah so uh this next one i think we might stump you on it i'm i'm, we, I'm pretty sure actually So you ready to listen to a little sample here okay all right here we go
0: all right any 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 thoughts on that well it's, it's an amiga uh but i have no clue what that is i do not recognize it
1: you're kind of in the right ballpark but uh let's go ahead and play the tune and uh see if you can figure it out after after you hear it
0: Guesses? I don't know what that is, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah, I've heard That's it before again. but I, I can't I yeah, I mean I hope. It's so. early. It's it's <laughs> it's definitely um, something early, nineteen ninety, yeah, I would guess, ninety one maybe. Well, this is a this is an interesting one.
2: Yeah, so the game is called Blowpipe, and it's on the Acorn Archimedes. Oh, that's
0: right. Yeah, I remember that
2: now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. I have no idea what when this game came out. I actually fired it up
1: on uh, in an emulator, and uh, I looked at the, the you know text that came with the the disc, and didn't say a date or anything like that. But it was published by Eclipse, and it also said something about uh, risky business. I guess maybe another developer name. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, you did all the composition on it. It's your names are in the credits, so yeah. So this uh, is the shop tune. Yeah, this is the shop tune. All right.
0: Yeah, this. I think it was a like a sh- some kind of a shoot-up, I believe, for the Archimedes. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like R type. Uh, yeah, it would would have been. Uh, yeah, it would have been a long time ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> any Any idea when this was created? I couldn't find anything.
0: It's probably 1990, I would guess. Yeah. All right.
1: All right. So yeah, this this track we. When we found it, we we're like, "Oh man, I think we, we might get a point on our side for this because <laughs> it was a—it's a very obscure title, I think." But I—I I was looking at different Acorn Archimedes games, and this is actually one of the better, uh, one of the more well-known, you know, within for all relatives, yeah, yeah, all relative. But uh, it was one of the more well-known uh, titles, and I believe it was exclusive too. And when we first heard this, we, we listened to a few other tracks uh, from the game, and this one is is wild it's like the scales it, it sounds like a like a crazy death circus or something <clears throat> yeah <laughs> and it starts up it you know it starts these scales start going up in one ear and then on the other side it's like you know completely panned to the left and going down the other ear and it's chaos but yeah. i absolutely
2: love it rod right, and we listened to it with it completely separated and <laughs> it was just too much like my heart was racing and i like we felt like we were kind of going insane but i mean it's because there's really there's so much going on in each ear at the same time that's completely different than what the other one's doing yeah uh, but it's really fun as you heard it's you know bouncy um, and just a really incredible track. I mean I don't know anything about the, the Archimedes and this is one of the few games I didn't get a chance to play before the episode so uh, it's pretty pretty awesome.
1: yeah, it's pretty awesome. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, you know writing the so- writing the music for this for this game maybe anything you know about development because we know nothing.
0: Uh, I was just I, I mean I do know that it, they, they, somebody just uh, made a version of the soundtracker driver for the Archimedes. Um, sound hardware is very similar to the Amiga, anyway. Right. Um, I, yeah, I can't remember. I can't quite remember about the game. I think there was a developer maybe in Sheffield in England that, were, that was doing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, just needed some music. I'm not sure how they connected up with with me. Um, oh, I was looking in the
1: track and uh, I opened it up in a, in, in ProTracker, and the title, the actual title, is JT Game Ten. No, not sure what that reference is. Uh,
0: I don't know. Yeah.
1: No idea. This is a mystery track. It's a mystery <laughs> yeah. track.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's it, Well, it's an Archimedes game, so there's not not too many of those around. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we, we were able to find that because it's definitely a, an awesome track to listen to uh, and definitely fits the obscurity uh, level, I think. So Yeah. All right. Uh, so since we have nothing more to say about this game, let's go ahead and move on to uh, to our next title. Uh, this is a absolutely gorgeous track. Do you want to hear the sample? Let's hear the sample. All right.
0: Crunchy. Yeah, very crunchy. Uh, that is true pursuit for Sega Master System.
1: Oh, so close! I almost yeah, no. picked that track, but no. Oh. You got the system right. Oh, okay.
0: Sounds like true pursuit, but uh, okay. Tell me what it is.
1: All right. Well, let's go ahead and play it, and you'll know right off the bat. <phone rings> Think you know now?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Lemmings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: that was uh that was Ronda Alaturka or the Turkish March, composed by mm-hmm. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, arranged mm-hmm. by Matt Furness for the game Lemmings on the Sega Master System, developed by Probe and Chrysalis, and then published by Sega and Psychnosis, depending on on
2: the region where mm-hmm. it was released. What a cool take on a Mozart track! I, mean, uh, I really like that heavy drum beat that was in there too. It, oh man, this this track is so good. In fact, this whole soundtrack
1: uh lemmings i mean a lot of it is rearrangements that mm-hmm. uh you, you know matt did for for the game but uh they're all they all have like a little twist on them that makes it very unique and uh a, a blast to listen to it's a spin yeah. uh, you know it's a new spin on a classic uh classic track uh absolutely love it this was a recommendation from uh valley bell of vgm rips too yeah An awesome track though
2: well and we had mentioned before uh, about your work matt that uh when you do arrangements of stuff it's not just like straight like let me just put it on this new software and this is how it sounded before it's you always add like this this your own earnest to it that yeah. it's, it's really <laughs> cool that that we really like that you know because sometimes you hear that the track is arranged and you, you go okay well let me hear the original version but your versions are always like really cool and very there's unique. always something yeah different to it which is always great yeah you want to explain this track for us
0: um, yeah, well, the, the lemmings, are, I believe most, most of the songs maybe came were from the Amiga original. Um, but there's a lot of levels in the game, and, and all the songs are fairly short, so there was space I could make some new songs or change them around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't too um, strict on making me keep it exactly like the original uh, music from the original game, so. Um, I can play around a little bit and just just come up with some uh, interesting songs. I think Sean, uh, you know, like I said, my my friend Sean Hollingworth had maybe a little input input into this because he he was always a, a fan of classical music and he'd probably give me some ideas. Oh, you could do this or that or, you know, try this. Uh, song, do a little version, and then Mm -hmm. just put my own spin on it. So basically, in a a few episodes
1: ago, we had a uh, a focus on a Game Gear title that uses the same sound chip as the Sega Master System. And we kind of talked about the music and the audio of a lot of uh, Master System and Game Gear games from the the Japanese side of things, where they don't really have a a lot of bass, a lot of low end. It's mostly in the upper, mid to upper range. But we also kind of mentioned that some of the Western composers were making or taking advantage of the system's hardware and being able to use, uh, I think it was the the noise channel track to be able to create this mm. really crunchy bass. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, I think it was an undocumented feature of the chip, um, where you you could actually make the noise channel make a, a sawtooth waveform. Right, right. Which is uh, good good for. Good for bass, especially on the on the master system sound chip, because it, it didn't have a very good range of uh, it's all, it's it's note range is very really limited. It was all up in the high end, and mm-hmm. I don't think you could get with the square wave. I don't think you could go down very low. But when you switched it to this uh, special mode where you could do a, a sawtooth, then you could do the sawtooth down into lower frequencies, mm-hmm. and uh, that was good for good for the bass. And then you could just sort of syncopate that with the with the drums, and sort of make you know, just uh, make some space there in the track and, and have a little. Uh, you know, one channel sort of track where you could sort of bounce the, the bass and then hit the snare and flip it back again. Mm-hmm. That, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: Now, was this the first time that you had done like an arrangement of, a, a, you know, a very old classical track?
0: Um, could have been, yeah, one, one of the times. Yeah, probably an early one. Yeah, I'm not, I can't remember if I'd done anything before this, uh, but I don't, the, the Lemmings does have a lot of uh, well-known uh, classical and uh, you know, pieces of music mm-hmm. from, from history, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome.
2: Well, and it's such a great track that works so well for the Lemmings game in general. I mean, I think that whole repetition and, and all that stuff works really well for this type of game. Yeah, this game
1: is a blast. It was yeah. ported to nearly everything. I think everybody yeah. at one point in their life has played Lemmings on some system uh, or another. I think my first experience was Amiga or DOS. I'm not quite sure, but... I- played the hell out of the game yeah and this track actually takes place between levels 11 and 28 or on levels 11 and 28 for what it's worth so if you want to play (laughs) the game and get to those levels you can hear this track let's play uh we have a few more tracks left so let's go ahead and play uh another sample for you here and see if you can guess this one this might this might not be too too bad here
0: That's Dragon for the Sega Master
1: System. (laughs) All right. That's awesome. Yeah, this is uh, the title screen, actually, of Dragon, the Bruce Lee story for this. And this is actually the Game Gear version. So let's listen to that, and we'll be right back.
2: Title track from Dragon: The Bruce Lee Story on the Game Gear. Man, this this is a really this is a really awesome track. I, yeah. I really like it. I
1: think it has uh, a lot of energy. It kind of has that uh, that crunchy bass again, mm-hmm. and um, it's just fast. It's short. It's not a very long track, but uh, it, it is a lot of fun. It has it almost has kind of like this eastern feel to it. Almost like I can a, see
2: that a little bit. Yeah, but not not too much. Yeah, I thought it had uh, almost like a Halloween kind of spooky feel. Like, it reminded me of something like maybe like Nightmare in the Dark or something. But very full sound like we just mentioned with the the last track that, you know, this really has a really good low range. Um, it has a really nice high range that the Game Gear obviously was, was capable really easy to do. Of, yeah. But, I mean, it really pushed that deep sound on this track. It was really cool. Yeah, so,
1: Matt, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story.
0: Well, I was always a big fan of Bruce Lee films I oh, was yeah. growing up. And mm-hmm. especially, I think... Uh Enter the Dragon was my favourite oh, of right. those, um, so I wanted to make um, you know, a piece of music that sounded uh, somewhat uh, reminiscent of, of, of those films, mm-hmm. um, and then something you know fast, and then using using that um, um, kind of you know Chinese sort of note scale, just, yes. just making it sound sound like that. Um, and then uh, just make you know, make it fast and a little funky, a little upbeat it would probably work for this game. I'm not. I, maybe I didn't have too much memory, which is why the, the, the track maybe maybe short. Um, a lot of times, I you know, they didn't put a lot of thought into how much space I should leave. For the sound of the music, right, so right. I'd have to just squeeze, squeeze in what I could there, and maybe a very limited amount of memory. But uh, yeah, little, little quick uh, funky tune there for the for the intro. No, it's oh, yeah. a lot of
1: it's a lot of fun. But you know, what the, like what you're saying about memory usage. I mean, there's only two tracks in this game, and so. When you're playing, you actually don't hear any music. it's yeah. it's a shame.' We're like we fired up the game we're sitting down together and we we started playing it and we you know the title screen came on. we're like all pumped up and jazz. We started playing the game and it it's was like silent music yeah like, like, what the hell happened and then
2: after you know fifteen seconds of playing the game, I kind of wanted to just turn it off <laughs> uh, <laughs> wasn't, I mean, it, wasn't that great? I, I was really pumped too like you, you know, like you i I love Bruce Lee anything he did was really cool. I thought it was really cool that this is. Uh, game based on the movie that's loosely based on his life which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> it's a, a semi-fictionalized version of his life um, but when I started playing it I was just like oh man Like the controls feel really funny he jumps like five stories tall if you hit up and jump at the same time but if you do a, a normal jump it's just kind of like a normal jump which is kind of weird but <laughs> the
1: AI is really bad too like when, yeah. you, when you get behind a guy they just keep looking forward they don't even notice you're there
2: I was just like oh man yeah. this could have been awesome but uh, when we were looking it up, I wasn't quite sure who developed the actual game, but we saw that Crystalis was the company that kind of handled the audio, and then Acclaim did the uh, published the U.S. versions, and Virgin did the European versions. So. Right. And it came out for a ton of systems, like Sega Master System, Genesis, Jaguar, and the SNES when we did the Game Gear.
1: Yeah, who so. did the game here? Yeah, do you happen to know who did the uh, the actual development of the game?
0: Oh, I don't know who did that. I don't know. It was, I just know it was published by Virgin, um, but I can't remember who developed it at all now. Seems like I mean a,
1: a big t- a Bruce Lee yeah, title. Yeah. You would figure it would be a, maybe a more well-known company that that did the development, but I, I guess not. Yeah. Oh well, uh, it is a, it is an awesome track, and uh, mm-hmm. the game eh, not so much. But uh, I think it is time to move on. This is our last track, actually, um, that we're that we're gonna play today. Let's let's do a quick sample. You ready, Matt?
0: Okay. I recognize it, but I can't. I can't think what game it's from. It's on the tip of your um, tongue. No, yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I. I I'll uh, I'll kick myself when you tell me. Well, can, 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 can
1: can you guess the system?
0: Sega Genesis. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, um, it, it was developed by Probe. Uh, that narrows it down to about a hundred games. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: um, Let's say it was based. It's based on a well known, uh, uh, well known franchise or well known
0: IP. Oh, oh, I know. It's um, is it the Donald Duck? It, it's well, um, you're close. It's. Not Donald Duck, the other one Daffy Duck Daffy, yeah. Daffy Duck <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Duck in Hollywood
1: Alright, yeah, so this is the, uh, the Well, do you know
0: the track name? Oh, it's Duke, is it Duck Rogers? No No I don't know. Is it from that game? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah from, Daffy Duck in Hollywood It's Daffy Duck in Hollywood I don't know which scene it's from I, I wouldn't know if I hear the whole thing I'll, I'll, I'll uh, yeah.
1: Alright, so uh, Let's go ahead and play the track We'll be right back
0: that song, I, I think they used it on the high score or somewhere like that in the game. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's but, the options yeah. menu, the it's menu. The options menu. Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't designed for that at all. Cause why would anyone write a huge piece of music? <laughs> <on that laughs> options menu? It was, I believe it was for a, uh, for one of the levels that didn't make it into the game. Um, so I, it sounds like they just stick it out on the, on the options menu, which is yeah. a strange place to put it. Well, well
2: it's uh, a track that's too good not to have in the game, so
1: yeah. at least it got in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. No, this this track is phenomenal. It starts off very dreamy, kind of like twinkling stars. It's got this very cinematic feel to yeah. it, almost like space-like.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, it almost feels like you're about to embark on a space adventure, and then yeah. there's that very dark kind of like, boom, which reminds me of kind of like modern movies or like kind of like that Hans Zimmer sound, but right. like... but really cool, like, mixed into a song instead and the, of that being the whole song. And
1: then you got that classic Furnace, you know, funky bass, funky, uh, you know, DAC, you know, channel going on there. It's mm-hmm. it's so, it's so wild. This is, uh, is a really fun track to listen to. I never, if I heard this track, I never would have thought uh, the game would be Daffy Duck in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just that... Cool. <laughs> that the, it just doesn't make any sense to me but it's an awesome it's an awesome track yeah
2: i mean i love how that that doo dooly like it keeps going on in the background throughout the whole track except for there's this part where everything kind of slows down which i thought was really cool and then when it comes back in it has like almost a little bit more urgent feel to everything right you're moving a little bit quicker now
1: yeah so matt uh you want to tell us about daffy
3: duck
0: well i'm pretty sure this song was there was going to be a uh, Duck Dodgers, which is the the Buck Rogers right. type spin-off in, in the game. I'm not sure if that level made it into the game because I'm, I'm almost certain that's why. I, what I wrote that piece for, which is why it sounds you know like space music. Oh, oh, that's right. cool. So, yeah, uh, I'm not sure why. Why that level got cut, or what, what got moved around there? But um, it's, a, it's a pretty it's a pretty good game. It's got it's got some interesting levels, and mm-hmm. uh, it's got big graph, big some nice big graphics and good animation and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was fun to it was definitely fun to work on that um, game. And, and think at the time I'd been playing a lot of the uh, Japanese Konami games that were based off the looney tunes characters all oh, right so so i wanted to you know make and, and they all had i think in my opinion really good music so i wanted to make the music you know up up to that standard
1: right no a lot of the music in the game is is phenomenal it's just yeah. very awesome this one i think stuck out to us because when you turn on the game uh and you, you know you fire it up you get the title screen and then you pass the title screen and you get like you know, start game, you get your, a few different options right before you even get to play and this track starts off and it has that, uh, just again, really dreamy kind of space, like, you know, groove mm-hmm. and, uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, there's even a little hint of almost like a little Disney hint in there at one point, um, that, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to pick out, but I, I heard it and it Kind of had this whole Disneyland vibe to me. <laughs>
0: maybe that was—I uh, don't. I think I always wanted to work for Disney, and I didn't work for Disney at that point. So maybe that was me uh, <laughs> trying, to, trying to make something in the, in the Disney vibe. Yeah.
1: yeah. So uh, you know, we're almost—you know—we're almost you know, to the end of the episode. We're almost to the end of the show. We kind of want to know about like what you're doing now.
0: Uh, working as a software engineer for a company called Gaikai, which is owned by Sony. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're actually part of Sony now. We we create the. Uh, PlayStation Now uh, streaming uh, video game system for Very Sony, cool. which is which runs on you know PlayStation uh, TVs, runs on the PS4, PS3, uh, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I've been been working as engineer now for uh, over ten ten years. Wow! Yeah. What were you doing? Um, what were you doing before Sony? Um, before Sony, I was I worked for MySpace. Um, for a while, I worked for a health insurer, doing doing system software for <laughs> for, that, for, uh, for a few years. Uh, different things in and out of video games, but just, but sort of more, a little bit more back into video games now. Of course, working Sony. I mean, it's actually mm-hmm. the third time I've worked for Sony because I worked for Sony in the UK for uh, for a couple of years. Oh, worked, no I worked for Sony in San Diego. Uh, for about a year and then uh back back up where i am now in orange county and then uh we got bought by sony so now i'm back at sony again oh
1: well so, nice that's just, awesome just nice. yeah now, so you you know you start you had this really like long history of composition and now you're doing engineering like, how do you feel about that do you, you think like you know you kind of miss the you know composing or is it something like you've kind of moved past
0: I think, it's, yeah, it's something I, I definitely moved past. Um, I, you know, I liked in the old days when it was just a few few people working on a game and, and I'd have, you know, free reign to, to do the kind of music I wanted to do. But of course now with, with games being so big, um, especially right. if it's a AAA title, then you can have hundreds of people involved. Mm-hmm. Um, different, you know, um, so it's a, it's a different way of working now. Right. Um, but of course, you know, I, I could always get back into now doing some indie indie work or something like that, um, which I might be doing. Um, I was approached to, to maybe do some, uh, work on a new fear effect game, which has been developed in France.
1: Yeah. That yeah. recently uh, got yeah. funded, right? Yeah. On they, Kickstarter.
0: Did, they hit that funding target. So, uh, we'll, we'll see how that works out. Maybe I'll be doing a little bit of music, uh, for that. um, but we'll, we'll see, you know. Yeah. Anything can happen. Yeah. 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 That's awesome.
1: I mean, you know, you've kind of uh, had this really awesome history of, of composing, and you know, you'll always have that that fun, those old fun times. You yeah. They're never going
2: away. Well, and for people like us, like that was back in the heyday of video games. You know, like you said, smaller teams, a lot of creativity pumping things out and stuff like that so yeah it's not it's a very changed landscape now well and that's this podcast we mostly listen to
1: a lot of uh, you know 8 16-bit we we try to stay kind of in that range because for us it's a lot more fun to kind of dive into music that had like these limitations Mm -hmm. like you know you know Matt you're talking about uh, memory limitations and stuff with the uh, the Genesis hardware or the Amiga or uh, the Atari ST and for us, that that technical challenge is what makes it so much more interesting to listen to. It's a lot, right. a lot more fun, I think.
2: Well, and there's a lot more variety too. I mean, now there's only, you know, three major console companies and PC and stuff and like everything that. everything
1: so. is streaming. You know, yeah. MP3s now. So <laughs> definitely don't have the uh, the limitations anymore. All right, so today we got to listen to a ton of music composed by the brilliant Matt Furness. Had a blast doing it. Thanks for coming on the show, dude. We really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thanks so much. Like We had such a great time.
0: Thanks for having me on the show, Brian and uh, James. It's been uh, really fun. Thank you. (laughs) Hopefully we
1: rejogged your memory on some of these tracks you might not have heard for a while. You did. Yeah,
0: it's definitely a trip down... uh that memory lane <laughs> <laughs>
1: if you want to know more about the show you can check us out online at pixelatedaudio.com for our show notes and the track list we can also be found on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at
2: pixelated audio yeah, and if you guys would take you know just a second out of your busy lives leave us a rating on your phone or computer through iTunes um, it would be great leave a comment on the site we love reading them we always have a great time checking that stuff out. Definitely. And want to give a big thanks to
1: Dragonfly Poison from Morocco for the review on iTunes. Uh, he asked us if we would do a Megaton focused show down the road. So oh,
2: I've been wanting to do one for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thank
1: you very much for that. Um, also, James, if they're new to the show and they want to hear more of uh, our past stuff, what, what, what do we got?
2: Yeah, I mean, we did some really great episodes recently. We did one on GG Elise for the Game Gear and had... Uh, the composer of that game on for our Musha episode which was Toshiaki Sakoda so I mean it was great that he stopped by and definitely check those out
1: yeah Uh, those were a lot of fun man yeah good soundtracks a lot of good Genesis music if uh, you know if couldn't get enough furnace there's a little bit more extra for you to to check out also want to give a you know uh shout out to vgmrips.net for sample accurate high quality game music greased all the gang there uh lots of suggestions from them on the show so thank you guys very much and uh, James, you got a, a little plug yourself, right?
2: Yeah, I just wanted to give a quick update on Reclaim Earth, the game that I'm working on. We released a demo recently, so you can check that out at ReclaimEarthGame.com.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty sweet little demo. Yeah. i got to play it.
2: It's a low-res, first-person shooter. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so Matt, thank you uh, again for, for coming on the show. Now, we like to end usually with uh, maybe a composer's recommendation or some kind of remix or mm-hmm. something. Um, you picked a track out for us. What, what do you got?
0: Okay, so this is this was originally a Mega game, um, which was converted to the Sega Mega Drive, Sega Genesis, and it, it in Europe it was called Megalomania, um, and in the United States it was called uh, Tyrant's Flight Through Time, um, and it's like a real-time strategy game, like a populace kind of thing, with little little guys mm-hmm. running around. Um, this game has um, a long main main piece of music while playing the game, which is actually the. Um, song which is the theme Mars from Gustav Holst's The Planets, which is a, an orchestral right. um, piece. Um, so I, I did a uh, Sega Genesis version of this, and if you'd like to play that, then uh, everybody can can uh, listen to that.
1: Awesome. Well, yeah. Matt, again, thank you. It was. It's been you know a pleasure having you on. We're just very. We're in you know shock right now that yeah. we got to have you on and talk to you for. Uh, you know over an hour and a half it's yeah. been a
2: blast like we mentioned it was our two year kind of birthday episode so we want to do something special so we were just so happy that you were able to be on the show yeah
1: if you ever make it up to the bay area and you know you want to come sit down with us uh maybe have a beer play some games and record another show we'd be very happy to. Do oh that.
0: absolutely I'd, I'd definitely be down for that yeah
1: all right so this is the uh ma- the main bgm from megalomania or tyrants on the Sega Genesis composed by Matt Furness. Thanks again for listening and see you guys in a few weeks.